0: This podcast is sponsored by Insight Corporation and was previously recorded as part of a live Q&A. Paul Larson, MSN, NP, oncology nurse educator, is an employee of Insight, and this podcast may include his individual opinions. The information presented in this podcast is intended to be general in nature and is not medical advice. This podcast should not replace or substitute speaking with your healthcare professional. Your healthcare professional is the best source for medical information. Always consult your care team with any questions or concerns regarding your individual medical condition.
1: Hello, my name is Gina, and welcome to NPN Voices Out Loud, a podcast series brought to you by the Voices of NPN. For those of you who are new to the Voices of NPN community, we're part of an education and awareness initiative developed by Insight Corporation that is designed to inform, empower, and inspire those individuals impacted by rare chronic blood cancers like myeloproliferative neoplasms or NPNs. Today, we're joined by Andrea Larson from Insight, as well as Insight Oncology Clinical Nurse Educator Paul Larson, who will be providing an informative overview of MPNs, specifically focusing on polycythemia vera, or PV, essential thrombocythemia, or ET, and myelofibrosis, or MF. We'll also be discussing the importance of tracking your MPN over time and why this can be so critical to advocating for your own health and informing truly meaningful discussions with your care team. Before we get started, I want to remind our listeners that this podcast is not medical advice and should not replace a conversation with your healthcare professional, who is the best source of medical information about your individual diagnosis and management plan. So now, let's hear from Andrea and Paul.
2: My name is Andrea Larson from Insight. And I am joined by my colleague, Paul Larson, an oncology nurse educator. Thank you. Whether you're a patient or a caregiver, we would like to talk to you about the importance of tracking your disease, identifying trends within your disease, and assisting you in talking with your healthcare professional about those trends and how your disease may be changing over time. Paul, in case we have people who aren't yet familiar with MPNs or who may be newly diagnosed, can you please provide us with a brief overview?
0: Absolutely. MPNs cover a, a broad range of these hematologic malignancies. These are chronic uh, blood cancers. The ones that we focus on are Philadelphia chromosome negative MPNs, so specifically polycythemia vera, essential thrombocythemia, and myelofibrosis.
2: Great. Um, can you go into a little bit more detail about polycythemia vera?
0: Absolutely. Polycythemia vera is the most common Philadelphia chromosome negative MPN. There's about 100,000 patients in the U.S. with P-Vera. And um, it's characterized by an overproliferation of red cells. So this erythrocytosis is really what it's predominantly known for. Extra red blood cells in the bloodstream causing the blood to thicken and setting up the potential for blood clots. It is potentially going to have an impact on other cell lines like the white count and the platelet count. But traditionally, most people with polycythemia varia you focus on that erythrocytosis.
2: Great. And can you talk a little bit more about myelofibrosis, please?
0: Myelofibrosis shares some similarities with PVRA vera in that it is a Philadelphia chromosome negative MPN, but it has some very distinct differences where even though there's this myeloproliferation, the bone marrow is overproducing cells. P-vera and myelofibrosis certainly have a lot of overlap in terms of symptomatology, itching, fatigue, achiness, okay. and um, sometimes sweats and some of these other MPN symptoms that we're going to talk about that are so important to track. Sure.
2: And then can you just talk a little bit about essential thrombocythemia?
0: ET, or essential thrombocythemia, is the um, other Philadelphia chromosome negative MPN that we're talking about. About 80,000 cases approximately in the U.S., a little bit more common in women than men. P-Vera, a little bit more common in men than women. And it is also a myeloproliferation, the bone marrow is overproducing cells, and the blood becomes too thick with these extra cells. In ET, there's a a focus and emphasis on platelets or or megakaryocytes or what they see in the bone marrow. And so in ET, the patients will have a a pronounced platelet count. The goal is to reduce their risk because by having this extra high platelet count, they are at a higher risk for blood clots. About a third of MPN patients are diagnosed through symptomatology. Another third are diagnosed through uh, just routine blood work. So that kind of points to how some are more symptomatic than others. And then the final third are diagnosed through an event. Obviously the biggest thing that we want to prevent in MPN is these blood clotting events. And so some patients are diagnosed because they had a heart attack or a stroke or a deep vein thrombosis, one of these blood clotting events.
2: So can we talk a little bit about the symptoms and why it's important for patients to know them?
0: So when you're a healthcare provider, you go in and talk with a patient. You get a what we call a review of uh, symptoms. How are you feeling? You know, activity level. Are you more active, less active? Are you doing the activities, activities of daily living? We'll refer to them. How is that itching? Or have you developed itching? Or if it's a new patient, do you have itching? If so, how miserable is it right. or is it mild is it just with the, the shower have you found ways to limit it tiredness is uh, the most common mpn symptom or fatigue and uh, in terms of its evolution certainly we're all prone to having good days and bad days um, but you want to have a sense for is my fatigue getting worse and why is that are you doing less Are you missing more events, more social and family events? Are you less active? Achiness, bone pain is a symptom. And then symptoms related to the spleen are a real hallmark of some MPNs, very much so myelofibrosis. And the spleen is an important organ in our left upper quadrant, very much involved in our immunology and our, our blood. And in this myeloproliferative state, people can have an engorged spleen. The spleen can get large and the technical term for that is splenomegaly, and that can cause abdominal discomfort, aches and pains. As it's getting bigger, it can cause early satiety, or you fill up really easily when you eat, and that can lead to some weight loss. So spleen-related symptoms are a, a key part of the MPN 10 assessment.
2: So Paul, do patients always experience an enlarged spleen?
0: They don't always, and it may be to a varying degree. So some people have very significant splenomegaly. Some may have mild to moderate splenomegaly. And probably just as importantly, uh, or maybe even surprisingly, some people aren't aware that they have splenomegaly. Some people have symptoms of fullness, achiness. Other people are completely unaware that their spleen is big. It should not go below your rib cage. And by definition, any spleen that is below the rib cage is splenomegaly. Your healthcare provider should be percussing and palpating your spleen. If they are not successful at doing that, perhaps you have a a larger abdomen, ultrasonography can evaluate splenomegaly, but really a physical exam will usually suffice to have a sense for what's my baseline spleen, what's my baseline splenomegaly, and is it getting better or worse?
2: I know some of the feedback that we hear are patients tend to not necessarily recognize some of their symptoms. Um, they almost feel like maybe it's a sign of them getting older. Can you, can you touch on that a little bit?
0: It is unfortunately common for people to attribute their symptoms to something else. Oh, I'm aging or I have this other, I'm too stressed out at work or, or my, my home life. And a lot of times in hindsight, uh, people realize that these symptoms are directly related to this um, malignancy.
2: So it sounds like their quality of life is really affected.
0: It can be very much so.
1: Thank you, Andrea and Paul. It sure seems like there's always more to learn about these rare chronic blood cancers. If you're interested in receiving educational resources specific to one of the three types of NPNs, myelofibrosis, MF, polycythemia vera, PV, or essential thrombocythemia, ET, please visit voicesofnpn.com register. So I think we've established that there is a range of symptoms associated with NPNs. But I think it's also important to point out that every NPN patient is unique. And while some patients may be severely impacted by symptoms, others may have no symptoms at all. It varies. If you or someone you care about is experiencing new or worsening symptoms, it's important to talk to your healthcare professional. That's because, as we've mentioned, NPNs are progressive conditions, which means that they can change or even worsen over time. This is why keeping track of those changes can play such a vital role in advocating for your own health. But before we get into a discussion of NPN tracking, let's hear from a few folks from our Voices of NPN community who can share with us what it's really like to live with NPN symptoms.
3: My name is Wilma. I just thought I was overworked when I was diagnosed with polycythemia vera. I kept having dizzy spells, couldn't come up with complete sentences. As the disease progressed, I started feeling more pain. I had an enlarged spleen. From time to time, I did have the itching. I had the headaches. Then I started experiencing the bone pain.
4: I'm Marilyn. Most people don't understand my disease, that I'm really sick. I had had the ET for 30 years. About three years ago, I was getting really tired, couldn't eat very well. We were on vacation. My daughter looked at me and said, what's wrong with the back of your legs? I was bruised from my knees to my ankles. Added to the fact how tired and how sweaty I was, there was just a lot of circumstances that made me stop and think that something's changing. I made an appointment with my blood doctor to get my blood rechecked, and they told me my spleen was enlarged. Nobody really put it all together that it was really transforming into myelofibrosis.
1: We've just heard from two real NPM patients, Wilma and Marilyn, about what it can sometimes feel like to live with an NPN. A little later on, we'll also hear from Karen and Dave about the role that tracking plays in helping them manage their condition, and how that has empowered them to advocate for their own health. To hear even more personal stories from our MPN community, you can visit VoicesOfNPN.com, an educational website sponsored by Insight. So as we already discussed, disease progression is possible with NPNs, which is why it's so important to keep a close eye on how your MPN may be changing over time. That's not just specific to symptoms, but also other aspects of your MPN as well, like changes in your blood counts, as well as an increase or decrease in the need for certain medical procedures. Tracking your condition, whether it's through an online tracking tool or a diary or journal that you make notes in, is a really important way to self-monitor, over time, how your MPN might be changing. Are your symptoms getting worse? Are you needing more phlebotomies than before? Have your blood counts been consistent? These are some of the things that you should be looking at and talking about with your healthcare professional. As you listen to this podcast, please remember that your experience with an NPN may be different. Your healthcare professional is the best source of information about your disease. Now let's go back to Andrea and Paul, who are going to discuss the key benefits of tracking your NPN.
2: So you had mentioned that these are progressive diseases. We know that they can change or worsen over time. This is why tracking changes over time can reveal very important insights about your disease.
0: They're not going to go away, unfortunately, so they have the potential to evolve and transform even. You can have ET and transform into PV, and you can have PV and ET that will transform into myelofibrosis, and sometimes a sense that when that's occurring, symptomatology may be evolving or changing, and that's one you know reason why we're emphasizing the importance of tracking your symptoms and these trends, because it could be a representation of some change in your disease status. And so we definitely want to encourage patients to have a, not an obsessive uh, watch on their numbers, but a healthy understanding of what they are, a good sense of what their baseline is, and to note... Any significant deviations in that, because okay. that may prompt um, further investigation, and it would be something that should elicit discussion with their healthcare provider.
2: So, uh, what should MPM patients be tracking related to their condition, and why?
0: The healthcare provider is going to be very keen on your counts, so you want to have a healthy understanding of those. But, and they're going to get those from the lab, and then they're going to review them and discuss them. And if numbers have changed dramatically, that warrants discussion and potential further investigation. But the symptoms are really going to be key for the patients to report on their own because your healthcare provider really cannot send to the lab a symptom panel, right? So that's your job to track these on a scale of 1 to 10. How has your fatigue changed over the last three months? If you have pruritus or bad itching, has it gotten better, worse? And a scale of 1 to 10 is an ideal tool to use It used to be a three or four. Now it's a six or seven. That's clearly a worsening symptomatology. And then that's really your job to report as a patient. And then it's the healthcare provider's job to assess why that may be and potentially investigate and make um, interventions.
2: So earlier you had mentioned the importance of tracking blood counts. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the health trends patients should be looking for when they're tracking their disease?
0: So, I mean, the key thing with your MPN is, what did it look like at diagnosis? So if you know what you were presenting with, what was your hemoglobin, your hematocrit? What was your platelet count? What was your white blood cell count? And then tracking that. And so your job is just to have a healthy sense of where they are and be able to bring up a discussion if they're changing dramatically.
2: Sure. So how about tracking different procedures that are frequent for each of the three MPNs. For example, sure. should patients be tracking the frequency of phlebotomies that they may be having if they have polycythemia vera?
0: So having a sense for how many phlebotomies you're having. If you used to only have two or three a year and now you're having four or five, why is that? And sometimes the healthcare provider is not aware. They're doing their visit with you and, and having a review of systems, but not completely aware of your flow of these procedures like phlebotomy or transfusions in um, myelofibrosis. And um, in essential thrombocythemia, it's very rare and atypical to have a um, apheresis procedure, but they would want to have a sense for how often they were doing that.
2: Can you talk maybe a little bit about the importance of using online trackers or how they may be effective when tracking your disease?
0: I think it's just something that keeps it all organized in one place, you know, in your pocket with your device. If you're Old-fashioned pen and paper is fine, but sometimes that's harder to remember or to transition if you're, you're going from uh, different sites of, of clinic. Um, certainly some people will enter things rather methodically and have charts and graphs. But just having a sense for what's your baseline and then being able to track these trends. Sure. And so there are some wonderful tools online that one can use now. It's just convenient and easy, so why not use it?
1: Thank you, Paul. For anyone who might be interested, you can access an online tracker tool that's specific to your MPN and allows for tracking key blood cell counts, logging appointments, and keeping track of medical procedures. Visit voicesofnpn.com tracking to get started. So it sounds like tracking offers a variety of benefits for MPN patients. For one, it can help you more accurately remember changes in your condition without having to rely on memory. And two, When you do it regularly, tracking allows you to see patterns or trends that you can discuss with your healthcare professional. Finally, having an ongoing record that documents your condition over time can help ensure that your health concerns are taken seriously. So what exactly does that tracking experience look like on a day-to-day basis? Let's hear from a few folks from our Voices of NPN community.
3: My name is Karen, and I have polycythemia vera. When I visit the doctor's office, I make sure that I have a copy of my labs in my hands. I have hard copies of everything. I have a notebook, a very large notebook, that I keep track of everything. The most current goes on the top, and that way I can look back and see if things have changed. The benefit of keeping track of all of this information is to really document your journey, to see where you've been and where you're going. It's almost like a journal, a diary. Keep track of every piece of information that you can get from your doctor. I think that it's helpful for my doctor for me to keep that information because when I go visit him, I'm more educated and more prepared for his visit.
4: I'm David. I was diagnosed with primary myelofibrosis. I keep track of uh, basically three things. One is my monthly blood counts, um, including my hemoglobin, hematocrit, red blood cell count, white blood cell count, and platelets. And I also look to see whether or not I have any uh, blasts from month to month. Um, Besides that, I uh, keep track of different medical procedures, especially bone marrow biopsies, and uh, I just keep uh, files of all of the reports on these things. And then finally, I keep logs of certain uh, symptoms like my pruritus. Uh, The advice I would give to patients, new patients, who are uh, setting up their tracking is to keep it as simple as possible. Um, If you make it too complicated and try to track too many things, you won't do it for very long, I'm afraid. Uh, Besides that, you need to make sure that you track Uh, when things happen, so uh, as soon as I get the numbers back from my blood tests, I sit down and enter them into my tracking.
1: In the end, no matter what kind of tracking tool you do end up using, the message here is to use one, and use it regularly, and then always be sure to share your results with your care team. And considering that NPM patients may see a variety of healthcare professionals, you really do benefit from being an informed patient. Let's turn back to Paul and Andrea now and talk a little bit more about how tracking can play a role making you a better communicator across care teams.
0: A common phenomenon in, in this day and age with chronic conditions, and they're transitioning from one healthcare team to another. So, a well informed patient is ultimately going to lead to better care because the, that patient's going to really be able to advocate for themselves to their healthcare team. To your point about having multiple healthcare providers, but then they've got a whole other boat full of providers for other specialties. They obviously have other health. Um, potentials and may have other specialists, accidents can occur and you end up in the emergency department and they might not know anything about your MPN. So really a well-informed patient can really save themselves a lot of trouble and potentially uh, prevent um, more serious outcomes that would have occurred otherwise. So making sure that they communicate to an emergency room specialist, for instance, this is my hematologist contact information, If you have any questions about my blood counts, please call them so that you can talk with them directly. If they're going to the dentist and they need routine care or perhaps something not routine, an intervention of some form, please talk to my hematologist first. Bleeding and blood clotting is a risk with these diseases. Going in and doing procedures raises that risk. So making sure all these providers and specialists communicate together. Sometimes they don't do it on their own, but if a patient helps facilitate that, it's more likely to happen.
2: Right. Again, advocate for your own health and make sure that you track and let everyone who's a part of your healthcare team know.
0: Absolutely. As long as everybody's communicating, patients are going to get the best care.
2: So that was a great discussion, don't you think? Thank you, yes. Thank you to everyone who joined in. We really enjoyed this.
1: Thank you for listening to NPN Voices Out Loud. Remember... Regularly tracking your MPN may help you discover important insights that can help you and your healthcare professionals better understand the state of your condition and ensure that you are receiving appropriate care. However, the only way those insights will prove valuable is if you share them. Be sure to schedule regular visits and conversations with your healthcare team. And remember, the more open and honest you are about how your MPN is affecting you, the better you and your healthcare professionals can find the management approach that's right for you. It looks like that's all we have time for today, but be sure to check out our other podcasts at www.npnvoicesoutloud.com. Thanks for joining us today and allowing us to share our voice with yours in support of the NPN community. This podcast is sponsored by Insight Corporation. Voices of NPN is a registered trademark of Insight. Copyright 2020, Insight Corporation.